he doesn't forget his need of God. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. And just a reminder that this show is pre-recorded. The lovely Lady Leanne and I should be in Florida by now. We're, we'll be back home around January 13th, and since I am on vacation, I won't be responding on the show to any comments or prayer requests, but please send them in anyway because I will be checking my email while I'm gone. When I'm back, we'll try to get caught up on the show with the comments and prayer requests. Right now, I am in the Orlando area, and if you'd like to get together, let me know so maybe we can set something up. Today, our reading is 2 Samuel 1-4, through and I'm calling the episode, A New King. I'll have some comments after the reading, after which we'll learn what happened on this date in church history. Let's begin. 2 Samuel chapter 1 After the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites and stayed at Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man with torn clothes and dust on his head came from Saul's camp. When he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. David asked him, Where have you come from? He replied to him, I've escaped from the Israelite camp. What was the outcome? Tell me, David asked him. The troops fled from the battle, he answered. Many of the troops have fallen and are dead. Also, Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. David asked the young man who had brought him the report, How do you know Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? I happen to be on Mount Gilboa, he replied, and there was Saul leaning on his spear. At that very moment, the chariots and the cavalry were closing in on him. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me, so I answered, I'm at your service. He asked me, who are you? I told him, I'm an Amalekite. Then he begged me, stand over me and kill me, for I am mortally wounded, but my life still lingers. So I stood over him and killed him, because I knew that after he had fallen he couldn't survive. I took the crown that was on his head, and the armband that was on his arm, and I've brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and all the men with him did the same. They mourned, wept, and fasted until the evening for those who died by the sword, for Saul, his son Jonathan, the Lord's people, and the house of Israel. David inquired of the young man who had brought him the report, Where are you from? I am the son of a foreigner, he said. I am an Amalekite. David questioned him, How is it that you were not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David summoned one of his servants and said, Come here and kill him. The servant struck him, and he died. For David had said to the Amalekite, Your blood is on your own head, because your own mouth testified against you by saying, I killed the Lord's anointed. David sang the following lament for Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered that the Judahites be taught the song of the bow. It is written in the book of Jasher. The splendor of Israel lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen! Do not tell it in Gath. Don't announce it in the marketplaces of Ashkelon or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, and the daughters of the uncircumcised will gloat. Mountains of Gilboa, let no dew or rain be on you, or fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer anointed with oil. Jonathan's bow never retreated, Saul's sword never returned unstained from the blood of the slain from the bodies of the mighty. 
Saul and Jonathan, loved and delightful. They were not parted in life or in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxurious things, who decked your garments with gold ornaments. How the mighty have fallen in the thick of battle! Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were such a good friend to me. Your love for me was more wonderful than the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war have perished. 2 Samuel chapter 2 Sometime later David inquired of the Lord, Should I go to one of the towns of Judah? The Lord answered him, Go. Then David asked, Where should I go? To Hebron, the Lord replied. So David went there with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. In addition, David brought the men who were with him, each one with his household, and they settled in the towns near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. They told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, The Lord bless you, because you have shown this kindness to Saul your Lord when you buried him. Now may the Lord show kindness and faithfulness to you, and I will also show the same goodness to you, because you have done this deed. Therefore, be strong and courageous, for though Saul your Lord is dead, the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Abner, son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Saul's son Ishbosheth and moved him to Maenaim. He made him king over Gilead, Asher, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, over all Israel. Saul's son Ishbosheth was forty years old when he began his reign over Israel. He ruled for two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. The length of time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Abner, son of Ner, and soldiers of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, marched out from Maenam to Gibeon. So Joab, son of Zeruiah, and David's soldiers marched out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. The two groups took up positions on opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, Let's have the young men get up and compete in front of us. Let them get up, Joab replied. So they got up and were counted off, twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and twelve from David's soldiers. Then each man grabbed his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into his opponent's side, so that they all died together. So this place, which is in Gibeon, is named Field of Blades. The battle that day was extremely fierce, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by David's soldiers. The three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Azahel. Azahel was a fast runner, like one of the wild gazelles. He chased Abner and did not turn to the right or the left in his pursuit of him. Abner glanced back and said, Is that you, Azahel? Yes, it is, Azahel replied. Abner said to him, Turn to your right or left, seize one of the young soldiers, and take whatever you can get from him. But Azahel would not stop chasing him. Once again, Abner warned Azahel, Stop chasing me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How could I ever look your brother Joab in the face? But Azahel refused to turn away, so Abner hit him in the stomach with the end of his spear. The spear went through his body, and he fell and died right there. When all who came to the place where Azahel had fallen and died, they stopped. 
but Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. By sunset they had gone as far as the hill of Amma, which is opposite Gaia on the way to the wilderness of Gibeon. The Benjaminites rallied to Abner. They formed a single unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Then Abner called out to Joab, Must the sword devour forever? Don't you realize this will only end in bitterness? How long before you tell the troops to stop pursuing their brothers? As God lives, Joab replied, If you had not spoken up, the troops wouldn't have stopped pursuing their brothers until morning. Then Joab blew the ram's horn, and all the troops stopped. They no longer pursued Israel or continued to fight. So Abner and his men marched through the Arabah all that night. They crossed the Jordan, marched all morning, and arrived at Maenaim. When Joab had turned back from pursuing Abner, he gathered all the troops. In addition to Azahel, nineteen of David's soldiers were missing, but they had killed three hundred sixty of the Benjaminites and Abner's men. Afterward, they carried Azahel to his father's tomb in Bethlehem and buried him. Then Joab and his men marched all night and reached Hebron at dawn. 2 Samuel chapter 3 Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew weaker continually. Sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and his second, Kiliab, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third, Absalom, the son of Micaiah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, and the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abidal, and the sixth, Ithream, by David's wife Eglah. These were born to David at Hebron. It came about while there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone in to my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show kindness to the house of Saul your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hands of David. And yet today you charge me with a guilt concerning the woman. May God do so to Abner, and more also, if, as the Lord has sworn to David, I do not accomplish this for him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul, and to establish the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. And he could no longer answer Abner a word, because he was afraid of him. Then Abner sent messengers to David in his place, saying, Whose is the land? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel over to you. He said, Good, I will make a covenant with you, but I demand one thing of you, namely, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see me. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michael, to whom I was betrothed for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping as he went, and followed her as far as Behurim. Then Abner said to him, Go, return. So he returned. Now Abner had consultation with the elders of Israel, saying, In times past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin, 
And in addition, Abner went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron all that seemed good to Israel and to the whole house of Benjamin. Then Abner and twenty men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Abner said to David, Let me arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may be king over all that your soul desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him arrived, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why then have you sent him away, and he is already gone? You know Abner the son of Ner, that he came to deceive you, and to learn of your going out and coming in, and to find out all that you are doing. When Joab came out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the well of Syrah. But David did not know it. So when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the middle of the gate to speak with him privately, and there he struck him in the belly, so that he died on account of the blood of Azahel his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are innocent before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner the son of Ner. May it fall on the head of Joab and on all of his father's house, and may there not fail from the house of Joab one who has a discharge, or who is a leper, or who takes hold of a distaff, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai his brother killed Abner because he had put their brother Azahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes and gird on sackcloth and lament before Abner. And King David walked behind the bier. Thus they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. The king chanted a lament for Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put in fetters. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was still day. But David vowed, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if I taste bread or anything else before the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, just as everything the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the will of the king to put Abner the son of Ner to death. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? I am weak today, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too difficult for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil. 2 Samuel chapter 4 Now when Ishbosheth, Saul's son, heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost courage, and all Israel was disturbed. Saul's son had two men who were commanders of bands. The name of the one was Baana, and the name of the other was Rechab, sons of Rimmon the Beerothite, of the sons of Benjamin, for Beeroth is also considered part of Benjamin. And the Beerothites fled to Gideon, and had been aliens there until this day. Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. 
So the sons of Rimmon the Beerothite, Rechab and Baana, departed and came to the house of Ishbosheth in the heat of the day while he was taking his midday rest. They came to the middle of the house as if to get wheat, and they struck him in the belly, and Rechab and Baana his brother escaped. Now when they came into the house as he was lying on his bed in his bedroom, they struck him and killed him and beheaded him, and they took his head and traveled by way of the Arabah all night. Then they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Behold the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. Thus the Lord has given my lord the king vengeance this day on Saul and his descendants. David answered Rechab and Baana, his brother, sons of Rimmon the Beerothite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all distress, when one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, and thought he was bringing me good news, I seized him and killed him in Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, shall I not now require his blood from your hand and destroy you from the earth? Then David commanded the young men, and they killed them, and cut off their hands and feet, and hung them up beside the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the grave of Abner in Hebron. In chapter 1 today, the man who brought the report of Saul's death to David made a terrible miscalculation, didn't he? As we read at the end of 1 Samuel, Saul fell on his own sword because he didn't want to fall into the hands of the Amalekites. This soldier must have thought that David would be pleased to meet the one who killed Saul since it was widely known that Saul had been pursuing David for oh so long. But remember, David had no desire to harm Saul because he considered him to be the Lord's anointed. So when David heard that this man killed Saul, he had him executed right there on the spot. David's grief over Saul and Jonathan is genuine and deep, as evidenced by the song he wrote and his tearing of his clothes in the morning, weeping and fasting he and his men did. In chapter 2, we see David seeking God's direction. He certainly did so while running for his life from Saul, but now that that threat is gone, he doesn't forget his need of God. It is so important to keep God at the center of our life in good times as well as bad. God tells David to go to Hebron, which is a priest's city and one of the cities of refuge. There he is anointed by the Judahite men as king of the tribe of Judah. Ishbosheth, a son of Saul and the nephew of Abner, is made king of the rest of Israel. And this sets up the so-called contest between David's men and Ishbosheth's men. Abner wants to keep the throne in the family. He wants Ishbosheth to be king over Judah as well as the rest of the twelve tribes. Everyone knows that David is God's anointed king, and David has proven that he is willing to wait until God brings it about in his own time. But Abner has his own plans. So he proposes a contest to the general of David's army, Joab. And in order to save face, Joab accepts the challenge. Things got out of hand and the contestants end up killing each other. This causes the armies on both sides to engage. And before you know it, a total of 20 of David's men and 360 of Abner's men are dead, including the young nephew of David, Asahel, at the hand of Abner. So Israel is a divided kingdom at this point. There's the tribe of Judah, the house of David, and the rest of Israel, which is under the house of Saul. How do you suppose this is going to play out? We'll find out in the weeks to come. And then in chapter 3, Ishbosheth made a mistake. He forgot who really put him in the throne. 
It was Abner who made it possible for Ishbosheth, King Saul's son, to ascend to the throne. It was Abner's cunning and strength as a leader who put him there. Ishbosheth was not a leader, and he severely misjudged the consequences of accusing Abner of sleeping with Saul's concubine. Abner's response was basically, How dare you accuse me of this? I served your father well. I kept you from defeat at David's hands. I put you in the throne, and now I'm going to take you out of it. I will make sure that David becomes king of all Israel. Ishbosheth was gobsmacked. He couldn't say a thing. He knew he was powerless against Abner. And Abner went to David and proposed to ally himself with David, which David agreed to. When Joab, the general of David's army, heard about the agreement, he was not happy and said as much to David. He rightfully didn't trust Abner and thought Abner had come to David as a spy, and he took it upon himself to murder Abner. And David, being an honorable man, mourned for Abner and gave him a proper and honorable funeral. In chapter 4, when Ishbosheth heard about Abner's murder, things really began to fall apart quickly for him. He loses any semblance of control, and two of his military leaders murdered him and made the same mistake made by the man who murdered Saul. These two thought they were doing David and themselves a favor by killing one of David's enemies. They figured they would ingratiate themselves to David by doing this deed, but their fate was the same as Saul's murderer. David had them killed and then hung by the pool in Hebron. There is a difference between killing in war and murder. Many people think that one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not kill, and it does say that in the King James Version, but when you look at the original language, the Hebrew, the word used is better translated murder. You shall not murder is the commandment. David knew this, and he did not want anyone to help him to the throne through murder. Beloved, be sure that if you think you're on a mission from God, that you're not doing anything against God's word. He is a righteous and holy God, and he will accomplish his will only in the bounds of what he has told us in his word is good and right. He will never ask anyone to break his own law. David made an example of those who crossed that line because he wanted everyone to know that his kingdom would be a godly kingdom. What are your thoughts? Comment on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e120. And as I said, even though I am out of town, I will read your comments. Our reading tomorrow will be Psalms 51 through 53. Boost. On this date in church history, December 28, 1384. English reformer John Wycliffe, the morning star of the Reformation, suffered a paralyzing stroke. He died three days later on his 64th birthday. Wycliffe authored the first complete translation of the Bible into English. His life also influenced other reformers, including Jan Hus, Martin Luther, and John Calvin. And on this date in church history, 1741, English revivalist George Whitfield advises in a letter Go to bed seasonably and rise early. Redeem your precious time, that not one moment of it may be lost. Be much in secret prayer. Converse less with man and more with God. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Steve Webb. Bye.